Welcome to Engaging History. My name is Christopher Kinsella, author of Chain of Deception. I'm a professor of history at Cuyahoga Community College in Northeast Ohio. My podcasts are not endorsed by any individual or organization. This podcast is my opinion and interpretation of the historical events that I will discuss. The purpose of the podcasts are in general to discuss American and world history in a way that engages you and explains so much of the country and the world around you. But I also discuss it in a way that is understandable and interesting. Good to see you again, and welcome back to the 45th podcast on the first half of American history. This is our second in our series on the American Civil War. In the 44th podcast, we didn't cover the war at all. Rather, what we looked at was what I call the pre-war military analysis of both the North and the South. Hopefully in that episode, you understood, if not perhaps learned for the first time, that yes, the North did have a lot of pluses, a lot of assets on its side, but it's not as though that the South was this backward society that some textbooks and some people lead us to believe. We looked at the strengths of both the North and the South, as discussed not only in terms of the economic systems in place, but also how strong they were politically. Most important was the fact that the prominent leaders of the Confederate States of America, the President Jefferson Davis and Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, eventually Robert E. Lee, were both involved and worked for the United States government. So they knew how the United States operated. So with that, we then look at what I call now phase one of the American Civil War 1861 to 1862. And remember again, as I say, as I said before, and I just remind my listeners, I'm not one of these historians as though I am a military historian. I'm not one that's going to go over these battles and then get into the what ifs and if only, etc. That's that's not my point here. I've never felt it was my place to ever second guess a commander on the ground, much less a commander who is no longer with us, and the bravery that those soldiers gave that commander in order to follow through on their orders, both sides believing that they are fighting for a just cause. So with phase one of the war, first off, please know that President Lincoln, he is only on April 15th, 1861, he is only president now for five weeks. Remember again that the inauguration of oath of office, the president took office on March 4th at noon, not January 20th, as we sometimes believe used to always be the date. The January 20th inauguration, again, that only is until, it doesn't happen until 1937. So with that, moving into this first phase of the American Civil War, we look at, again, President Lincoln officially declaring war on April 15th, 1861. It's not going to be for a few months before we see our first, what we might call retrospectively, major battle. And that would, of course, be the first battle of Bull Run, also known as the First Battle of Manassas because of its location in Manassas, Virginia, on July 22nd, 1861. Before I get into the actual battle itself, 
Again, not going to cover the minutiae of what took place at each minute of the battle, but rather a, a summary of the impact of the battle in terms of wins and losses, I would like to point out that there was this largely unknown individual by the name of Wilmer McLean, who is believed to have been the first casualty of the American Civil War. Not physically, because he wasn't hurt, nor was any member of his family, but it is believed that the first shot of the officially declared American Civil War landed and came through. Some uh, stories have the uh, cannonball coming through his window. Others have it coming down his chimney into his kitchen. Either way, the stories are consistent that some type of weaponry landed in his kitchen unexploded. But because of the horror and the reaction of his family, he immediately sold his house to move and, quote, to get away from the war. And I asked my listeners to remember that. Remember Wilmer McLean, that he wanted to get away from the American Civil War. Remember that, because I will revisit Wilmer McLean and his family later on in a future podcast. All right, so with the battle of the first battle of Bull Run, again, not covering the, the ins and outs of the battle, it was a Confederate win. And because of that conf Confederate confidence increased with this Union loss. The Union witnessing the intensity of the way the Confederate soldiers fought, how well organized they were, they realized it may not be as short a war as individuals had predicted that it would only be roughly a six-month war before the Confederacy would fall. Maybe that's not going to be the case. How and why do we come away a century and a half later with this notion of the Union reaction? Because the general in charge appointed by Abraham Lincoln, George McClellan, he returned to Washington, D.C. to discuss this Union loss with his commander-in-chief, President Abraham Lincoln. Now, please remember, if you go back to that earlier podcast, the last one, on the American Civil War when I gave that pre-war military analysis, remember that McClellan was not Lincoln's first choice as full commander. He offered that, in fact, actually ordered Robert E. Lee to take command of the entire Union Army. And as we know, Lee said, I'm sorry, Mr. President, but my loyalty is to my state first, to the Union second. If Virginia withdrew from the nation to join the Confederate States of America, then I too will follow. So McClellan is Abraham Lincoln's second choice. And I've already began, I already gave you evidence or rationale as to why Lincoln didn't want McClellan, first off, to be his full commander. Remember, he returned to Washington, D.C. to discuss and analyze that particular battle, the first of Bull Run. And I'm stressing that for a reason that will eventually explode momentarily. The losses, however, would begin to mount on both sides. With the Confederates' loss of roughly 1,982 to the Union staggering 2,896. So we are talking just under 5,000 casualties on both sides. Now, please note when I am talking about the losses, where am I getting my numbers from? Well, we know the way that countries like to 
exaggerate the enemy's loss and minimize their own. So the numbers that I share with you are ascertained from a variety of sources where I balance out the projections of the Confederate in their numbers, as well as with the Union and their numbers. I do this not only with the American Civil War, I do this with every conflict that I cover, including going back to Hannibal and of ancient Rome and Alexander the Great before them. Because again, we know the way sides like to exaggerate some things and minimize others. All right, so with this massive uh, casualty count on the Union side, President Lincoln, who had pledged to personally write every letter thanking the American families for a soldier that died in the war, President Lincoln pledged to write every one of those notes and letters by hand. Well, he recognized that he was soon, quote, running out of ink, trying to notify the families of the deceased. He then compromised, had his assistants and aides write the letters, but he insists he would sign with his own signature. As we're going to find out too, he's not gonna be able to keep up with that either. We move then to nine months later. And again, please know that there's a lot of many conflicts and battles that are taking place within this. It is not an exaggeration to say, as I've said in the last podcast, that the American Civil War was truly a war that was fought in 10,000 places. But the next major one that makes its way into the history books is in Tennessee in April of 1862, the Battle of Shiloh. Ironically enough, Shiloh is a Hebrew word. Any idea what it means? Shiloh is Hebrew for a place of peace. That might have been before April 1862. It ain't going to be now because, again, the Union this time does claim a victory, but by the barest of margins. But the body count becomes staggering. The Confederates are no longer losing less than 2,000 casualties per battle. The Confederate loss this time, it is astounding, 10,967 with a skyrocketing loss on the Union side of 13,047. Listeners, the Battle of Shiloh was a groundbreaking, ceiling-shattering battle in human history. Needless to say, if you've been listening to my podcast since the beginning, you know that when I covered the American Revolution, the uh, War of 1812, the Mexican-American War, not any different with the Civil War, nor will it be different if you listen to my podcast all the way up to the 21st century to the War on Terror. My focus is on the soldiers. My focus is on the human beings that walked out of their homes of safety, peace, and security to fight for us, to fight for Americans, for a nation that they believed in, with values that they believed in. So again, that's my focus in terms of what we're looking at here with the review of the Battle of Shiloh. With that staggering loss in April of 1862, at one point, it was estimated that in less than 20 minutes, 7,000 soldiers dropped to their death. Again, in less than 20 minutes, the world had never witnessed 
more carnage, more death at the volume that they're dropping in this American Civil War. International press corps were aghast at looking at the piles of bodies just waiting to be shipped back to their loved ones or buried where they dropped. More Americans were lost in this brief battle than in the previous year combined. Yes, it may have been a Union victory. Where then did General Union General George McClellan go? Of course, he returned to D.C. to once again discuss and analyze the impact of the battle with President Lincoln. On July 4th, 1862, President Lincoln, desperate to try to end the conflict, proposed purchasing each slave for $400 from the South, okay? But then do what with the freed slaves? They're suddenly free, and we're going to just magically pass the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment to the Constitution? No. Remember, again, as I mentioned when I introduced Abraham Lincoln in the past several podcasts, Lincoln is a politician, and he is a product of his time. Yes, we have him on a pedestal for a variety of reasons, which I'm not here to take away from, but I am here to show you the other side of him that again, he was human and he was a product of his time. He had no intention on freeing the slaves and making them citizens of the United States, not even close. Rather, he proposed and ordered his advisors to send the freed slaves off somewhere in South America or even back to Africa, where suddenly now a $400 price tag per slave was now skyrocketing to fiscally unattainable economic policy. There was no way Abraham Lincoln was going to have the budget and the wherewithal to move ahead on his plan. But it shows you again how desperate he was to minimize the staggering loss of life in this war that was now waging for well over a year. And well over a year puts us to the second battle of Bull Run back at Manassas, Virginia. And you might say, well, geez, wait a minute. So you're talking Manassas got nailed twice in this conflict? Manassas got off light. I'm not minimizing the loss of life there. But there were many cities throughout the southern part of the Union and the northern part of the Confederacy that witnessed this civil war battle, this civil war battling day in and day out. Remember, again, the town of Winchester, Virginia, raised the Union flag and then was forced to take that down and raise the Confederate flag no less than 72 times in a four-year conflict. So many places are witnessing battles more than one time here. So under the new Confederate leadership, finally, Jefferson Davis buckling to the pressure and appointing Robert E. Lee as the head of all Confederate forces, was able to secure his first major victory. Then why, again, do we not see Lee more or less jumping for joy with the results of this, because again, the losses are becoming mind-numbing. The Confederate loss this time was 9,197, with the Union loss of over 16,000. And for the first time, for my listeners, I'm also going to do what I also do to my classes that also makes their jaws hit the desk. I'm not only giving you the hard numbers, I'm now going to start giving you the percentages of the loss. With that Confederate loss, 
19% of the forces that started out fighting in the Confederacy were now six feet under. On the Union side, it was 21%. These losses cannot continue. But wait a minute, you say. We're only in September 1862. I know my numbers well enough and my history well enough to know this war is not even half over. And you're absolutely right. How then do these numbers continue at such staggering losses? That's what we're going to continue on here. So with this, please remember too, that the time and effort it takes to bury the dead. Confederate towns were literally, physically, humanly, running out of men aged 18 to 35. Remember Jefferson Davis pledged that no one older than 35, no one younger than 18 was going to get drafted to fight in the Confederate fight for the Confederacy in this civil war. With towns throughout the South running out of 18 to 35-year-old men, the draft was literally becoming useless because there was no one left to draft. Also, too, at this time in our intermission between this second battle at Bull Run and moving into the second phase of the American Civil War, I also want to take our, pay our attention to and give appropriate credit to a hero of the American Civil War that is usually looked over, if not even mentioned at all. And that would be eventually be the future founder of the American Red Cross, Clara Barton. Now, it's more than appropriate also to recognize the contributions of Miss Barton for the simple reason that here in 2021, this year, we will be celebrating the birth, her anniversary of her birth 200 years ago. And ironically enough, on perhaps all days of the calendar year when she could have been born, none other than December 25th. Truly, she was a gift a savior in so many ways to countless union officers. She braved the worst in order to tend to the injured. She flabbergasted her assistants and aides at the way she would bravely walk through ongoing battles to pull a soldier off the battlefield, to walk into a tent that even other soldiers abandoned for fear of getting shot. And it's not to say that Clara Barton didn't know what it was like to be shot. At one point, a bullet tore through her shirt sleeve and lodged right into the jugular of the patient she was assisting, tore through the side of the tent, through her shirt sleeve, and killed the patient she was assisting. So I ask my listeners the same question I ask my students. Your Clara Barton. I am putting you in her shoes. Your sleeve was just torn by a bullet. You hear cannons continuing to go off behind you. Your ears are ringing from the cacophony of soldiers screaming, cannons firing, muskets and rifles blown time and time again. What do you do? What do you do when the patient that you were assisting was just killed because of a stray bullet that almost nailed you, what would you do? Well, thankfully, you don't have to answer that question any more than my students do. But what did Clara Barton do? 
with more than enough witnesses that she barely even blinked, she simply went on to the next patient. That was her mission. That was her job in her mind. So that's what Clara Barton did. Guess where George McClellan went? Yeah, you guessed it. You're listening. Yeah, he went back to Washington, D.C. You'd never guess who to meet with. Yeah, once again, Abraham Lincoln to meet with his commander in chief. Now, please know, when I mentioned this the very first time at the first battle of Manassas and then Shiloh and how many battles in between, and now we're here at the second battle of Manassas, please note that this isn't McClellan simply running in to the White House, to the original Oval Office, speaking with Mr. Hay or any of the other advisors and assistants to the president saying, hey, can I just have a quick few minutes with the president? Need to review what just took place in this last battle. No, he's expecting kind of grandiose affairs where there'll be a formal breakfast, formal dinners, and other formal events as they continue to analyze the war. If you are shaking your head saying, I don't understand how Lincoln could grasp this, why he would tolerate this, how he could tolerate this, you're exactly right. He couldn't. It infuriated Abraham Lincoln every time he saw the whites of McClellan's eyes. Number one, his commander-in-chief, as his commander-in-chief, Lincoln did not invite McClellan to come back and talk about the war. He wants results. He can be, he can be notified of these results via the telegraph. We've already talked about that in the last podcast. That's the way he wants to be updated. He doesn't physically need to see Mac and all of his assistants and aides and entourage as they continue to parade back to Washington, D.C. after every major battle. If you're drawing the conclusion that maybe McClellan was a little reluctant to engage Lee, oh yeah, you're right. In fact, I can actually prove this for you in a way that if you ever need to hold your ground at how weak George McClellan as a general was, there is plenty of testimony that McClellan refused to pursue Lee. Even when McClellan found Lee's plans, battle plans, wrapped around three cigars, it was confirmed that that was writing of Robert E. Lee. The topography of the battle plan was accurate. Everything about those papers was true. But Mac stayed put for eight 18 hours before he decided to move forward. And of course, when he arrived, Lee was gone and the damage was already done. It would be at this point that 16th President Abraham Lincoln would relieve Mack of his command and General John Pope would be promoted to full commander of the Union forces. And if you think, thank God, it's about time that Mac be put out to pasture. Oh, no, not at all. Mac may be gone, but he is not forgotten. He may have lost on the military battlefield, but he will meet Abraham Lincoln again on a different type of battlefield. Stay tuned. So that was phase one of the American Civil War where we looked at the end results and the long-lasting negative impacts at the First Battle of Bull Run in Manassas, Virginia in July of 1861, Shiloh, Tennessee, April of 62, and then finally the Second Battle of Bull Run in August to September 
1862. We looked at the impact of Clara Barton. Please stay tuned. You will see eventually a blog about her that I will write as we near her 200th birthday this coming December. We also then went on to see how our American president, Abraham Lincoln, would finally get fed up with George McClellan and ultimately relieve him of his command. And then finally, we see General John Pope coming to the stage front and center. This will move us then into phase two of the American Civil War, 1862 to 1863. What we're going to see in this battle is a war on the high seas. We're also going to review foreign relations how many and what countries were supporting the Confederacy during this American Civil War, as well as which sides were fighting the North, supporting the North, or shall I say, which one? Singular. Yes, oftentimes my students are astonished to learn they never thought about the impact of international relations on this conflict. Remember, there are a lot of westernized countries that have a lot of skin in the game to see who ultimately wins this civil war within the United States of America. But please know too, that in terms of this fixed phase, we're also going to see politics move ahead with what eventually becomes known as the Emancipation Proclamation. Because of that, and the I wanna cover that second phase in its entirety, I'm going to cut the podcast here and when we return then, we're going to look at that second phase of the ongoing civil war within the United States. So thank you for listening. Please go to my website, ceconsella.com. Email me with any questions or comments you might have. If you liked what we discussed today, please leave me a review as well. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.